1: The best things happen after dark. Nightclubs are the ultimate spaces for self-expression, escape, music, socialising and forgetting for a moment the outside world. Going out is a way to discover ourselves, who we really are, what we really like. We find new friends and fall in love on the dance floor. As humans, we like to move to a beat and there's nothing like a good night out. I'm Jody Harsh. I'm a DJ and producer and I've spent most of my life going out-out. I know how to tear up a dance floor and in this podcast I chat with my guests about how club culture and going out has helped shape their identities and inform their work. In season one we were locked down, unable to partake in nocturnal activities so we could only talk about our memories of nightlife. Now we're back out there and I've got a truly amazing guest list for season two. So let's dive into those hazy memory banks and hit the floor. This is Life of the Party. Today's guest is the big-mouthed, meme-posting DJ extraordinaire, who also happens to be one of my best friends. He's lived 10 lives, much of which is written about in his brand-new book, and his DJ career is flying more than ever. If there's a club, he's played it, a party, he's been to it, a line, he's snorted it. He is, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Fat Tony! So let's um, begin right back at the start. You're from London. Uh, was it a lively atmosphere in your house when you were growing up?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I grew up in, on a council estate in Battersea uh, and it was a very lively council estate. You know, it was a new building. So everyone who, who moved there, it, it, it relatively got on with each other because they were all put in there at the same time. So it wasn't somewhere that you, you know, you come into people have been living there for twenty years. So it was their territory. So everyone kind of owned their own part of that estate. And right. so growing up in that environment was yeah, it was very lively. I mean, you know, there was we had a brick wall that we all used to sit on. Called the wall.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? But
2: everyone used to go there and hang out on this wall. Yeah. And that's where trouble would always be caused, you know. It's like, let's go and rob that shop window or let's go and smash that door in, or, you know, and that's how it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you used to dress up from an early age as well. Have you always always been a showman?
2: Well, I kind of, yeah, I always have. You know, Um, I talk about in the book, you know, growing up, like literally. I mean, we had like, a on our now estate, we had like a tenants association and we all went to Margate And I must have been about six or seven. And I bought some plastic tits from a joke <laughs> shop. And I was obsessed with these plastic tits. And I, and I wore them everywhere. So, you know... Growing up on that accounts estate where everyone was skinheads and I was running around in plastic tits, I was always the showman. Did you get any shit for it? Or did... uh, yeah, of course, but you yeah. know what? My brother always looked after me. Yeah. And, my, you know, my dad was six foot four with fingers like bananas. No one really messed with us. Right,
1: right. I mean,
2: I, you know, I could look after myself. I always did look after myself. Yeah. You know, if someone gave me shit, I gave it them back. With your mouth? Yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. And I kind of just think, you know... And then it kind of progressed from the the the, the growing up bit. Was kind of like from the age of thirteen, really. I started doing drag and going out the house. Uh, guys, I discovered nightclubs, yeah. which we're here to talk about, right? Yeah. And was music part of your family as oh, well? Oh, music was a major part of our family. My grandmother was a classical pianist and taught piano.
0: Wow.
2: I was shit at it, so right. she never really taught. She taught, gave me two lessons, and that was it. Right. you I mean? She was yeah. like, no. You I'm couldn't concentrate. Me. Yeah, <laughs> no. The ADHD had yeah. you know, taken... A, Already a, kicked a, in. A, yeah, really big time by then. But... Um, So yeah, music was a really big part of our family. So my dad was music obsessed. My mum come from, you know, she grew up in the swing in 60s, so she loved music. So in our house at weekends, like Saturday and Sunday, all that you woke up to, music. Music was being blared out in our house all the time. And then my older brother was into like, lovers rock and soul music. So he was obsessed by playing it as well. And like, we'd have the speakers out of our windows. So my brother would have speakers out of his bedroom window at the front and I'd have speakers out of the bedroom window on the back.
1: Two parties, yeah. Simultaneously. Two parties, literally, trouble trying to outdo making. each other, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: And then my dad would have his music on downstairs, and I mean, you know, it yeah. was a very musical house. yeah, song. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when
1: you first started actually hitting nightclubs, where were you going? Like, very. What, what was the first club? The first you ever club I ever went into? to was
2: the Embassy. Oh right, yeah, it was the Embassy, the first club. Uh, Covent, I, Covent Garden? Was it? Uh, yeah, it was in Mayfair. Oh Mayfair, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, was, yeah, Bond yeah. yeah. Street, up, up on yeah, Street yeah, 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 on the right hand side. So that, so I was shagging this. Lever Queen called Roy. (laughs) And he he was the manager there. Right. And uh, he took me there. He was like, oh, yeah, come come one night. So I went and met him from work, and I remember going there. I remember exactly what I was wearing as well. I was wearing like an electric blue Puma jumper. Can remember it to this day. I had a V-neck. It's really bizarre yeah. that I still remember. And I went there and was sitting, there and I was just blown away by it. Yeah. And then from Do you remember there, the
1: feeling when you first? Went oh, I'd there. arrived. Yeah. I walked yeah.
2: in and I just thought, this is going to be my life from yeah. now on. Yeah. I love it. It was just like you know, because I, but th- th- at that point in time, I was already I had a job on the on the King's Road, mm. so I kind of was always surrounded by by people from that world anyway. Yeah. How Do you know old were I mean?
1: you when you first went to a club?
2: Uh, 13. 13, yeah. right? Yeah, really young. Yeah. Yeah, 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 fourteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I started from there. Then it was Char Charles, which was behind Heaven, which was a Tuesday night. Which Scarlet, uh, who was very big on the scene back then, like look, why? You know, it's just after on the tail end of New Romanticism. I didn't can't even say it because I hated it that much. But you know, yeah. there was on the tail end of that, and th- so Tuesday nights was Char Charles, and I used to go there, and I used to go and drag. Right. Because I, that way I could get in without anyone knowing my age. Without anyone IDing you. Totally. Yeah, 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 Totally. You know, it was really was the fact that I always lied about my age to everyone. Right. Oh, right though, until I was 50. And when right. I just got to 50, <laughs> I thought, fuck it, I'm going to own it. You did a 50th birthday. Yeah, I'll you know what I mean? And like, and yeah. that, I just, you know, it was the first time I actually stopped lying. Yeah, Because I always t- told everyone I was older... And then when I got to twenty-seven, I always it, it, it started to get younger. Right. Yeah, you know, it was very bizarre. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, even though I probably at the height of my addiction, I probably looked one hundred and ten. I'd still say to people <laughs> twenty-one. I'm to yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like literally. <laughs> but like, I always lied. So I always told men I was eighteen. I was yeah. told people I was 16, 17. I was thirteen. I was yeah, Fourteen.
1: Yeah. What did you hate about the new romantic era? That I wasn't a part of it, right? right. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Right.
2: That was it. I yeah. hated the fact that I was too young for it.
1: Right.
2: I was too. Uh, I was too young for punk. I was too young for that. You know, when punk was out in nineteen seventy-seven, you know, all my all the kids on the estate, like that, had been into skinheads, had suddenly turned into punks, and suddenly, you know, and then some of them went off to be like got into like the whole new romantic thing. But it was really punk was a really big thing on my estate. I was too young for that,
1: right. Yeah, and then you were hanging out with George as well in clubs and stuff. Yeah, from yeah, there, yeah. From I mean, I'm,
2: yeah, I met him in the Kings Road actually, uh, because Kings Road. I, I, I talk about this a lot. Kings Road was our social media. Yeah, it was a place that everybody went on a Saturday to be seen. You would walk up and down Kings Road to be right. discovered. You right. would walk up and down Kings Road,
1: literally, like for music and stuff That's it, like that. Everything. Yeah. yeah,
2: it was literally everyone so. Designer-wise, you, on a Saturday afternoon, you would see Jean-Paul Gautier yeah. there. You would see Riffa Osbert. Everyone would hang out in the King's Road because that's where the looks were. That's where people went. John, John Galliano, John Flett, everyone hung out in King's Road.
1: Westwood's shop was there.
2: Yeah, World's End was down Some the end. You end you yeah. had Robot Creepers, which was a like a... A shoe shop on the corner, which sold creepers and stuff like that. That was that was a really classical shop. You had Johnson's, which was at the end, which was Johnson's was like a rocker's shop, but they did like gold fringe jackets. I mean, amazing stuff for a yeah. rocker. Yeah, uh, you know, like you know, you had so many different shops. And then I worked in this place called the Great Gear Market, which where Rusty Egan had his his first record shop. Right in there called the cage, Yeah. and then there was like Axiom. You had Melissa Kaplan. You had all the new romantic designers working in there. Yeah, uh, and you had the little leather shop in the corner that yeah. sold like poppers and leather, and right. for everyone to wear an Yeah, Yeah, was, L's court was, was, L's court was the, 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 was the gay the meta of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of, of of the world as such.
1: And I guess Soho wasn't.
2: Soho wasn't. Me- no, right, no, right, no, no. Right. Soho. Soho at that point in time was still just sex shops and peep shows.
1: Right, right.
2: Uh, and it was it was very straight. Orientated, yeah. you had no gay scene in Soho whatsoever, apart from the odd gay cinema that showed gay films, right. which had back rooms for sex.
1: Right, right. That
2: was the level of gay Soho. Right. It wasn't until much later that the Swiss Hotel turned into Compton's.
1: Ah, so that was okay. the first
2: point of call for gays in Soho. Ah. That, and you had the Bear Pub up there that that really the the Golden Lion, which is on opposite Fifty Sixteen Street, you know that well. Yeah, uh, opposite there.
1: <laughs> That's the STD clinic. Yeah, but... <laughs> the,
0: uh,
2: the Golden Lion, which was a rent boy pub, and then you yeah. had the Dilly, Piccadilly, which were both rent boy areas. The rest of it was just all strip clubs and right. su- and sex shops.
1: So it was all in over in Ells Court. Yeah, Ells right. Court.
2: You had Coke Cabana. You had you had um, the colon. Which was the Lever Bar? You had Brompton's. Yeah. yeah, you had all of these amazing, amazing venues yeah. all in one, all in one little area. And would they be sort
1: of were they like pubs? Basically, weren't they? They were but
2: pubs, and there was the, the Copas was a club.
1: Right, so they'd have little nights
2: and stuff. Yeah, they yeah. had like you know I, I saw Diana Dawes there. Actually. Oh, amazing! Yeah, about three weeks before she died. Really? Yeah. Um, Wow. So you know that, that it was st- it had its own scene, and of course, what happened was AIDS came along and yeah. annihilated Hell's Court. Yeah. everything shut down. People stopped going there. Because they uh, fear of being attacked. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't just AIDS that wiped it out. It, it was the, un, the, the, the fear of AIDS that wiped out that scene. Right, right. The people were just so scared of being around yeah. gay people because it w- they thought they were going to catch it. They
1: weren't sure how it was transmitted. No, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. you
2: know, and the media really played a big part in that. Do you, mm. do you know what I mean? With falling gravestones. And, yeah. and you know, any time there was any, any discussion of it, it was a gay disease. Totally. So Els Court was wiped out and, that, like, completely, it was like a tsunami had completely cleared out that area. There's a
1: much fabled story about Freddie Mercury giving you your first ever oh, line of cocaine. Yeah. You open the book with it, actually. Yeah, Can we hear the story and put, put, put it to bed? Well,
2: you know what, it, <laughs> the reason it, it, it got, it becomes a big because I did that documentary with Mixed Make, yeah. and, and in it I just said, you know, Fer, Freddie had given me my first line of coke, and it wasn't, it was only a part of a sentence, it was like right. a conversation. It wasn't me being like, this is the headline. Right, right. It's like the other one is, like I spent over a million pounds on cocaine.
1: Yeah, that was my next question. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but do you it's know what I mean? Yet. They were all yeah. there because they were all a part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. And it's true. And, you know, Freddie actually, that night with them, I didn't know who Freddie Mercury was. Right. I didn't give a flying fuck about Queen. Right. I was in Soft Cell right. and Mark Almond and right. all, of those, right. all those yeah. queens. Yeah. yeah, You know, uh, Queen was a different generation. Right. Queen was what my mum and dad played. Like ten years before. Right? Yeah, my yeah. mum and dad played Queen on a Sunday morning. Do you right. get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know but so yeah I, and i'd met him at heaven on a saturday night the first time i ever went to men only on heaven on a saturday night his the night was called well it was only it was only men, was only. Just men only yeah, yeah. and yeah. you couldn't know when we were ever allowed in yeah and that's where i first met that lot and then went back to their house and there was like eight people Right. So it wasn't just Freddie that gave me right. to Annaco. Okay. But he, although he did, but he is that,
1: yeah, It's <laughs> that story about Freddie Mercury and Princess taking Princess Diana to, to the, the RVT? R- 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 is yeah. that true? That's
2: true. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. Diana in the Vauxhall Tavern. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Right.
1: Um, you then started hitting New York. I think you went yeah. on your 18th birthday.
2: Yeah. I flew to New York on. I, 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 I badgered George, <laughs> as in Boy George, into buying me a flight for, on Concord. What was Concorde right. like? Oh, Concord was amazing. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Concorde like twos,
1: two. two Two seats, two right, seats. Two right. seats, two seats,
2: two seats. It was so small yeah. inside, uh, grey leather.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, so you got to New York. So you got to New York, was in New York for a while. And then I, but by that point, I, I, when I was 18, I was doing a night called Café de Paris in in London on a Wednesday night, which was the place, to. I mean, it was. Yeah. was closed. Had. Yeah. But yeah. on a Wednesday back then, it was the hardest place to get into. It was the only place that anyone ever wanted to go in London. What was that night called? Uh... Wednesday night at Cafe de Paris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: that. Name, We're it. Like, it was like Nick Knight, uh, Nick, a guy called Nick Fry ran it, Yeah. and Albert from the the Batty Clan in Paris. Okay, they, he would fly over on a Wednesday, and they had this guy called Jack on the door from Paris as well. And I, so uh, Albert would play all like swing and salsa, and like La Vion Rose was one of yeah, those big fab. ones. And then I would come on and start playing early house and disco Amazing. and stuff. And what
1: sort of year was this?
2: So Delight had just come out, work right.
1: it out. So, like, l- very early 90s. Yeah, very, Like, 90 or something, I want yeah. To say,
2: yeah. Uh, I was 18. Right. So uh, so then, of course, when I was going over to do New York uh, and I was hanging, you know, George lived on Columbus in 88 and uh, I was like, I decided I was moving to New York at that point. Yeah. I only went for a <laughs> week and then suddenly was, like, there. Yeah. Uh, and then I would come back and forth and, of course, you know, uh, London. Everyone in New York wanted to be in London. Yeah, and everyone in London really yeah. wanted to be in New York. Yeah, I feel like it's still
1: the same now, you know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah
2: and, and and you know, but New York back then in the in in, in that time was just incredible because it was pre Giuliani. It was pre like, the big clear out. Yeah, you know, you still had the hookers in the meat in the meat yeah. district. Yeah, you still had the bathhouses. Just yeah, you still had that freedom of like. Wow, this is what the village people were all about. Totally. Do you get what I'm yeah. saying to you? Yeah. You know? And you've still
1: got like Warhol still alive. Oh, at this yeah, point. of course. Was, I
2: mean, I'd, I'd see Andy like most nights. Really? really yeah, literally. Was talking, he, got he was Polaroid most annoying coming under the did sun. He was a Polaroid. If yeah. you know. Why was he annoying? <laughs> he was just always there. I've got right. two, uh, no, like literally, <laughs> like creeping after George. But I had like, I've got two Polaroids that he did Yeah. Um, of me. One with me was, it was Sade and one with me with George. Um, and he but, was just annoying, that's so funny. All he was you know, he was just... Hey. Yeah. I just found him really creepy. <laughs> and Herring as
1: well, you're knocking him yeah, out. Yeah, oh, no, I loved yeah. Keith. Keith, yeah. Was,
2: Keith was everything that we that we, that we loved. No, yeah, we loved. Totally. When you meet, you know, it was like, he would be talking and would be like, oh, who's that black guy over there? Yeah, Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He, loved, he loved Latinos and he loved black boys. Okay. But, you know, it, he was just... Everything about Keith was just... He had freedom and he had fun. He knew how to have fun and he he was just yeah, he was a real laugh yeah.
1: thief. one club I really wish I went to, which I know you did in New York, Area. Area was incredible. Oh my god, tell us
2: about area. So the, not enough people talk about area, and that's a shame about area because what they got
1: a bit overshadowed by Studio 54. Yeah, it did,
2: yeah, yeah because it was it, 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 you know it came after. Yeah. So area was this like you went in through the doors of area and each month they would have a different theme.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, like, you go to shitty clubs here and they have, like, a bit of polystyrene yeah, in from the, the inflatable. With them. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's this part. It's beach
1: this week.
2: <coughs> yeah, and they'd put a bit of sawdust on the floor. Yeah. And the floor the floor. <laughs> with area, like, they ripped out the whole place. Yeah. So one time they had trailer trash night and they built caravan parks inside. They had a garage in the middle of the club with petrol pumps. But not, like, props. I mean, seriously built. And But when you walked in, you walked down these long corridors which had shop windows all the way down, and in each window they had a different theme. So once we went and they had Alice in Wonderland and they had a guy dressed as, sitting on a mushroom, as a caterpillar, smoking a shisha. Yeah. But it was just so brilliantly done. And And artists
1: used to, like, take over rooms and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I mean, it was, you know... It was it was insane. It was absolutely insane. You just literally believed in it. And they, I remember they had, the best one. They, the best thing they ever had was La Area Discoteca, and you went in, and outside they had one of these pull down blinds, you know, like shop lines, but yeah. it went round there with in, in red plastic. It had La Area discotheque and they had, like, broken lights outside and they made it look like it was, like, an old run-down disco.
1: Amazing.
2: Honestly, the, when you went in, they had a disco dance floor. They had the VIP room because they never had a VIP room at the area. Right. But for La discotheque they had a, a they VIP room. Amazing. And everyone wanted to be in the VIP room.
1: Amazing. Of course. Because uh, yeah. it worked. Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, they, it was just such... The amount I just think
1: how the who's how for, for this? who's paying for it yeah
2: and it was Steve
1: was it Steve Rebell? it was Steve oh, again yeah it was, Steve it was yeah, yeah,
2: it, yeah was, it, was, it was it was uh, and what's his um, name
1: from um he owns all the hotels yeah. Now. Schrager.
2: Schrager. Ian Schrager. Ian Schrager. Yeah. It was a Schrager club. And, you know, it was so brilliantly done. Yeah. But also, there was, you know, there was Dance which was Brill's. Yeah. Diane Brill and, and Rudolph. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. theirs. And that was incredible. Dance well. is
1: where Madonna shot get into the groove. That's I think. right, yeah, she did. Yeah.
2: Dance was amazing. Because you had the lift and you went up, and it was just amazing. Was it upstairs? Yeah, you went, there was like different floors to it. It was so, it was so genius. Yeah, all those clubs were back then, you know. And save the robots, which was on on down on the alphabets. It was on, on Avenue A, and you'd go down there and, you, and and which world was down there as well? But you know, you'd go to Avenue A, and people, were like, you're going to Avenue A at three Oh, it's so
1: dodgy. <laughs>
2: dodgy ain't the word. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it was. But you just didn't think about it. because... Yeah. We discovered ecstasy. Yeah. We discovered MDMA. Yeah. Which was your next me, question. Which is <laughs> my next question. Literally, you're like preempting
1: everything. every single question. So we get back to London. Yeah. And ecstasy has taken her... Ecstasy yeah, basically... Yeah, you know, it It, it was a game over, changer, wasn't it? It
2: was a major game changer. Yeah. You know, for us, it was, you know, we'd be at Palladium in New York and we'd be buying, like... Little little brown bottles of it in little brown bottles with brown oh, like, cap. Yes. Oh right, 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 And you'd do five the five dots. We'd do oh. dices. We'd do five dots on here and we like that. Oh. Yeah, very graphic. Yeah. And so I have a relapse so. yeah. and, then, <laughs> and literally, you know, you, you wouldn't be happy until you got shutter eye. And really clean MDMA used to you would take it and before you know it your eyes would be like Shh,
1: oh like vibrating like
2: shuttering like, like oh, your wow. vision would be like and you'd be like yeah.
1: Because yeah, you're like I'm, rushing. Yeah, it's yeah so yeah, rushing. Yeah.
2: And that was just like really clean MDMA. And then you'd be gouging and you want to chuck up and you'd chuck up in the corner and you'll be fine. Right. And that was MDMA. Who hasn't thrown <laughs> and up? And that whole pill feeling. Well, but yeah. you know, but then when it came to London, we had that for a couple of months, for about three or four months, that feeling. And then suddenly, when everyone started to make it in London, it started to get really dirty and it started to become, you know, but for a good six to eight months, it changed the whole of London. Yeah.
1: And is that when the rave scene? Yeah, and that's when you were on on motorways, up looking, and down looking the motorways.
2: For... You know, it was in fields, in you know. And you
1: have to get phone numbers to call and find. Yeah, the from and phone stuff? boxes yeah. and stuff
2: like that. I mean, obviously we didn't because we were working out. them. You were
1: DJing the parties, yeah? of course. Yeah, I
2: mean I DJed probably nearly. I mean, I, I we're doing a rave a, a flyer book,
1: yeah, a coffee table Amazing. book yeah. of
2: all the club flyers that I've on over the years, Amazing. and we're getting them in at the moment, and it's like. Literally, I forgot how many fucking thousands of parties I did in that time.
1: So would you be literally like Saturday night up to four different places, Staffordshire yeah. or something like? Literally, yeah, field? in
2: air hangers and yeah. like old derelict building sites. But I'm doing tomorrow morning. I'm filming in Batsy Power Station because I did a rave in Batsy Power Station when it was in '89. Derelict. Wow, in '89, like did a rave in there, and we're talking about that tomorrow because they're reopening it, and I'm doing this big part of their promotion because I'm a Batsy boy. Well, of course. So. Yeah. Yeah, so – but, yeah, rave culture, you know, we drove everywhere. And then it just got really – it got really criminalised really quickly Mm. and got really dark very quickly. People realised they could make money, like everything. Yeah, you know, whether it be crypto, yeah, whether it yeah, be yeah. absolutely NFTs. Yeah, have, you, yeah. have you met anyone who does an NFT? Yeah, yeah well. but, like use car salesmen. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You that just, just look at me about. and you think, hang on a minute.
0: Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's and not even real. Yeah, that yeah, even yeah, exist. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and,
2: and, and you know, you're not laundering, are you? But do you get what I mean? It, it's kind yeah. of everything that comes along always gets criminalised really quickly because, yeah. it, because it's not licensed. But I guess this anything that's f- under the radar totally. gets taken over.
1: I guess this is pre-festivals though. Is mean obviously, going on? Hundred percent festivals, I guess, are the new... Do do raves still happen now? Like yeah, to, yeah, all up the country.
2: Yeah. Especially through lockdown. Yeah. They, they really made a big comeback really quickly. A
1: lot in the media And I mean, I well.
2: got asked to do loads and I, just, I had to turn them down because, mm. like, you know, I'm not in a position where I could... I can't be saying, oh, we're we fighting for freedom and then suddenly doing an illegal rave. Totally. At the same yeah. time. Although my heart would have been in that rave constantly, totally. as you know. And I
1: guess in COVID as well, you have to think...
2: Yeah, of course, there's other and... people involved. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. about me yeah. wanting to... You know, I was quite Happy just doing it in my garden. Yeah,
1: which to be we're honest. gonna just <laughs> get. <laughs> <laughs> um as I want to run through a load of clubs that are synonymous with you yeah. and chat about like what they were like and like the scene that went a- a- along yeah. with each one. So, first
2: of all, the WAG Club. So, so the WAG was the centre of the universe. Right. It really was the centre of the Soho. universe. Soho. It was in Wardle Street. Yeah. It was above a, f- a betting shop. Right. Opposite, right by the gates of Chinatown. Right, right opposite. Yeah. It's now a uh, O'Neill's pub.
1: I know exactly what the you mean. Glass oh, was Oh, yeah, I know. There's that? two
2: glass windows. It's a
1: little alleyway going through, going down just the side. There, that's yeah. the,
2: the, the blue belt. It's just further up right. on the left there. And it, basically, the, the blind's still there. The sign was outside. So the blind would come down and cover up the betting office and you'd go up the stairs. And basically, it was run by Chris Sullivan and Ollie. And they, Ollie O'Donnell, they basically used to do the, the Kit Kat and all of the uh, new romantic stuff. They took over Whiskey A Go Go. Right. So it used to be Whiskey A Go-Go. Right. And then they turned it into, first of all, they turned it into, uh, what was it called, Le- uh, Oh, I've forgotten the name yeah. of it. They they, they, they they took it over and they, t- they transformed it into this thing that just didn't work. Yeah. La Rococo. It okay. was called Rococo <laughs> for about two weeks. And then they changed it to WAG. And WAG primarily, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, was a jazz club. Right. Friday nights, it was all about jazz. It was all about that scene, all about the, you know, northern soul. They they catered for everyone. Then Saturdays uh, was all about soul music and stuff like that. So then what happened was... I discovered I wanted to be a DJ. Right. Started doing the... I started off at the Lyceum. It's very small. Right. (laughs) The actual Lyceum. Lion King. Oh, really? Yeah, DJing there. Was it just called the Lyceum? No, it was was called Playground on a Saturday night. It was Steve Uh, Strange, Rusty Egan and Kevin Millions who went on to do Jungle and Heaven. They opened this Saturday night thing. And I, being me, 16, age 16, 16 stone, went to them and said to Rusty, ah, you don't want to open a Saturday night because I'm opening one. Right, right. And... And he was like, "Well, I said, yeah, I'm opening a night the same night." And he's like, "Well, don't do that. Why don't you come work for us instead?" I was like, mm, "I'll think about it." Yeah. I weren't opening nothing. I couldn't even open a fucking pint of milk. A do you know what I
0: mean?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he went, so "We will give you a job on the door." And I was like, "Fine, okay." Yeah. So off I went. So I each week I was inviting people, and of course, gave, signing in the back of hosting yeah. it. And every week I'd say, "Ah, is that like, how was that?" Like, Everyone's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, Why? I said, the music's so shit. Everyone's yeah. sacking the music up. And he'd be like, Well, I was like, everyone.
1: Is this Rusty Egan?
2: Rusty, DJ, DJ and yeah. Ian Dewurst. Right, okay. now Ian Dewurst at that point was the, like the king of like he did all that like DMX, all that stuff, all those like master mix, yeah, master yeah, cuts. Yeah, yeah. He was Master right. Cuts. Right. And he was like, I'd be like, hey, I think he was rude to me once. I think that's what it was all about. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you like, everyone said he's shit and they're all leaving. Yeah. And, he, and Rusty said to me, well, if you think you can do better, why don't you do it? And I was like, all right, I will. <laughs> and then the next week turned up with four records. <laughs> four <laughs> records. <laughs> Natalie Cole, Pink Cadillac. Yeah. ABC Remix. I don't know which one it was. the Jacksons? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. Uh, by the band ABC. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Lexicon of Love, uh, those guys. Um, uh, a divine <laughs> Amazing uh, uh, Native Love Take It Like a Man Take like It Like one. a Man Amazing Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then I can't think what the fourth one was It was Oh yeah um, It was who Zooming Who Who's Zooming yeah, Who Yeah 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 uh, Aretha Franklin yeah. Two those That was it Played Rockin'. both B-sides And A-sides yeah. And that was it And then within two weeks That's a short set <laughs> I I'm disconcerted. I can turn, like, I can turn tw- 12, 12 records into a four-hour set, <laughs> right. uh, Literally. Uh, so we uh, within four, like literally within two weeks, we would start Tuesday nights at the Wag. Me and right. a guy called Stephen Linard, who was a fashion designer, okay. And we we total fashion victim at the Wag. Yeah. And that's where we first met Andy Warhol. Right. So we'd been doing it for three or four weeks, and Andy came to London, and was at. And this guy Billy Billy <laughs> Billy Beyond came in, and uh, they were like. We got Andy outside in the car. <laughs> he wants to come in. And we were like, Yeah, he's got to pay. Yeah. You charge Andy <laughs> yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> And then and they were like, Can he come in? I was like, Yeah, you can come in. So that was so that's how it all kind of started stemming off. Got it. And then I got invited to go over to do palladium. Got and it. And that's got how it. the ball rolled on that one. Got it. But you know, with the wag. I start. I'm, a, you know, I'm a great cuckoo. I always start off with just doing one little thing, and then yeah. next minute I'm running the whole place. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> and I basically just decided I wanted to do Saturday nights.
1: Yeah.
2: And started off DJing, and then within about a month it became Attitude at the Wag, and then it became Fatitude at the Wag. Fatitude. Then we did Fat at the Wag on Saturday nights, uh, and it went for nine years. Wow. And so everyone's
1: coming and hanging out in that literally spot. Literally
2: everyone. So, you know, in that DJ box. You know, Nana Cherry just did a, a film about it the other day talking about how she met Cameron on Ecstasy in my DJ box. Wow. George Michael used to hang out in the DJ box. Everyone used to come and hang out on Saturday at the WAG. Mark Moore, I gave him his, his job there. Yeah. Tim from on the base, And all of those kids uh, used to come and, and, and that's kind of where they started their careers. You know, um... Literally, yeah, yeah. It, it, it it just spiraled out of control, and it was just such a, an amazing thing. And that's kind of where we discovered house music, and 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 just it just projected everything for me.
1: And then what about Limelight? Was that so? Limelight was
2: another one of those you need me jobs. Yeah. So Peter Gation, who owned Limelight, oh, from
1: Limelight New York. Yeah, it's yeah. the
2: same. You know, they owned the. They came to London and they would just got the old Welsh church at the end of Shaftesbury Avenue, which yeah. had been derelict for years. Right. And they were like, we're going to turn this into limelight. And I was like, okay. right." And he was like, um, so, you know, we want you to come and work for us, and, uh, do a night, for, DJ for us. That's and I was like, no, 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 I don't DJ for no one. <laughs> so you want me to you come, you need to put me on a retainer and you need me to run it, run it I was yeah. No one's going to come for you. Yeah. And and they were like looking at me like as if who the fuck is this eighteen year old yeah. telling us that he's gonna he, he can run us out of town. He's chancer. Literally, yeah. I was a chancer. Yeah. And with with within a month I'd been on a, a retainer, I was only like three grand a week.
1: Wow, yeah. Back
2: then, I mean that's yeah. fucking extra you know, i yeah. no wonder I was an addict, you know, yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I literally was doing the limelight doing just there every night. Wow. It literally just yeah.
1: And that's not—it's like some art center now or something. Isn't yeah, it? they're like turning some... it into a
2: community art yeah, space, community which place. is great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's limelight was limelight. Yeah. Do you get know what I mean? People don't talk about that as much yeah. as they should either. It was an incredible space. How much has Soho changed? Oh, it's it, it, it's it's uh... the, the two comparisons, right? Mm. Are like Dorset High Street yeah. and Westfield. Yeah. Now yeah. that's what it's like. So yeah. it's gone from Dawson High Street yeah. to Westfield. That's how it's changed. That's yeah. how you just and people go, yeah, it's gentrification and it's really good. Yes, it is really good because if it stayed the same, it would be really fucking boring. Yeah, and so It's like when people say, "Oh, yeah. I don't get anymore," it's not the same. thing. fuck, it's not the same. Yeah, God Almighty, can you play? Imagine playing the same twelve records. Yeah, in well, you can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> no, but you get you know I mean. It's like literally, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, things have to change. They evolve. They grow big they die, yeah. they move on.
1: Yeah, and areas so, move on. Yeah,
2: yeah, they do. And, you know, it's, it, 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 sometimes I walk through so, and I just think it's, it, it's, it's soul-destroying because mm. I lived on that street. I lived on Old you know, Al- Compton, Compton Street. Yeah, yeah I lived course. on Old Compton Street yeah. for 11 years. Wow. And um, I watched that place grow. I remember, you know, Compton's opening. Yeah. Then I moved in with my boyfriend. That I met in Russell Square and
1: yeah.
2: on Old Compton Street.
1: Do you and live above Balance Cafe or something.
2: I lived. Uh, that was after I lived right. above the amusement arcades, which is now the brasserie now. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I lived above that. Then I moved out of there. I slept with Tom, and I moved out of there. and I moved across the road above Bar Italia on that yeah. corner, yeah. which was about. And I, my t- my door would on the roof would go above Cafe Balance, and I would throw things over and t- <laughs> onto them, and I'd go down the stairs and drag boys in through the back door. Uh, anyway, blah blah blah. So uh, so yeah, I lived on all those four corners for 11 years wow and I watched it change so drastically yeah uh, you know I wouldn't live in Soho now for love of money. no almighty. me neither it's so violent night yeah oh my god rough as fuck yeah it's you know everyone's getting mugged yeah you know I was talking to someone the other day about the box that everyone who leaves the box gets mugged gets mugged for their watches yeah. the staff have to be walked to their cars really yeah they, they, by security and the security are getting attacked as well Fucking they're literally hell. and the police are doing nothing about it yeah
1: why? It's just because gang, it's gang-led and stuff, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And it's just, it's just really, you know, it's it's the police just don't have the resources. Yeah, that's their excuse.
1: Yeah, you know. Well, fast forward a few years and we go to trade. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about trade. Trade was a magical place. Yeah,
2: I always, I, you know, I recently did an interview with, I think it was with Faith with, with Terry Farley, and I said yeah. in it, you know, people go on about Bergheim and they go on about how it's the most wonderful place, and they never went to turnmills.
1: Yeah, people <laughs> that don't know that listening. It was it was Saturday night into Sunday morning, wasn't it? So,
2: no, it was actually Friday night. Oh, was it? <laughs> so, Friday night was Gallery. Right. Uh, which was at Thomas, And then that went on until midday. Then Saturday night, trade opened at 3am. Right, yeah. Right, originally. and Then it opened, then it started opening at 11. So, it went right on until Saturday afternoon. Right. Uh, closed at midday.
1: Right in the middle of Farringdon. Right which I the, guess was derelict, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, literally
2: yeah. on the corner by Farringdon tube station. Uh... And Turnmills was just one of those places that grew with you. Mm. So it started off like one an old wine bar, that right. you went downstairs, and then from there it grew into this fucking mega club. Yeah, and then it had then premises next door would shut down, and then buy that and knock into that, and right, it just right. grew and grew and grew as the scene grew, and as as everything like evolved, so did turn Yeah. You know, as the drugs changed, so did turn meals. Yeah, you know, ecstasy. You know, you had queues. Like, people were queuing, like, 50 people in a queue for a dealer.
1: Right.
2: And the arches, you had, like, an, an archway, which was Muscle Alley. Yeah,
1: Where That's all the, where the muscle boys men would hung. hang out, yeah.
2: And then beyond that was underneath the arches. That's where all the drug dealers were, so you had... John, who had this corner here, you had another one who had this corner here, and there was like four or five dealer, main dealers. It's like a so, little mini high street. Yeah, it was, they were, like, it was like, like a shopping
1: centre. Were they, were they all selling different
2: drugs? Yeah. It's mad, isn't it was, it? It was absolutely it was mental, <laughs> but you know it was so hedonistic. You could yeah. go there and you'd, you'd buy alcohol. Nowhere in London sold alcohol at that time of right, night. Right,
1: right, right. And you'd
2: get it in coffee cups, right, and stuff like that. It was right. just fucking genius. Yeah, everything about it. The music was really hard on the main floor. And yeah. then they opened Trade Light, yeah, with these other DJs called the Sharp Boys. Yeah, yeah. They started it with, with Lawrence, and of course. I came into the guest set.
1: Yeah. I've
2: three weeks. Took it was over. mine. Yeah. Uh, I took them over and kicked them out. But you know, it, you know, people like, you know, they listen. It's quality over quantity. Totally. The the totally. You know yeah, I mean, there was totally. two of them. There was
0: one of me. I was better.
2: Yeah. End of story. Get your money's worth. Do you get know what I'm saying, Joe?
0: Uh, Ready to pop the question?
2: <laughs> and it was just, you know, it, it it really was where I, for me, my life changed mm. drastically when it came to music. I mean, I, I literally had the freedom of that dance floor. Mm. And I would play for 12 hours. Wow. I would play for 10 hours. Yeah. I would go on and I'd be so out of it. I'd, and really? it would just go on and on. And I would turn the music off and there's that other famous line that I would say, no K, no play. Yes. Uh, and people would bring me ketamine. Yeah. And I put the music back on.
1: Yeah, you literally. I turn the whole the music off in the whole club. Until and tell like, no. someone fed you drugs. Until I'm
2: getting drugs, I'm not turning it back on. And wow. people would bring me drugs. Yeah, and that's how you know, and that's the way it was. Yeah, do you go? Know what I mean? And people come and hang out in my DJ box, and I mean, it was so hot in there; it was ridiculous. Yeah, but you know, turnmills like everything has its day. Yeah,
1: you know. And Culture moved on. Yeah, of course it does. Well, um, I guess the super clubs then sort of erupted around that time. I guess Ministry was opening, Fabric was yeah, opening. Yeah,
2: Ministry opened it. It was non-alcohol. There was no alcohol at Ministry. Really? For about a year like and a, a half. Like a juice bar. Yeah. because yeah, you know Paradise Garage didn't have alcohol either.
0: Oh, a lot can't... of
2: people don't understand that. Don't get the concept of that. They'd, they they used to be like, oh, it's just they couldn't get they, a license. They, they just didn't have a license. It was yeah. a garage in New York. Yeah. But ministry of Sound opened it. It had no drink license. So right. you know, and what just didn't want, just not Berkman, who, 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 when he opened it, wanted it to be like Garage, because when you went to Garage, you went into this other room at Garage, which had these big bowls of fruit, and people would help themselves to fruit and hang out and stuff, right, you know. Right. And he wanted to do the same with ministry. He wanted to copy that concept. And it was it took him about a year, I think, a year and a half for him to actually get an alcohol license.
1: Right. Did that work? That kind of what was he trying to create a... No. No, yeah. <laughs> I different... mean it worked at first because yeah. it was
2: like, oh wow, there's this new after hours. Yeah. But you know, of course, when there's no alcohol, people do want to take more drugs.
1: Yeah. They yeah, have to yeah, do something. Because yeah. you know,
2: people disconnect for the reason why they go out. Yeah. You know, for me being sober and you being sober yeah. and you doing what you do in your life. Yeah. When I go to a club now, I go for one reason, either to have a laugh or the main reason is music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what when we first go out, right, we don't go to a field in Beckingham... Like to a festival or yeah. wherever we're going because yeah. there's a barman that makes good cocktails. Or, yeah, totally. Or there's a guy yeah. called Jack that sells pills that's going to be there. Yeah. The first time we go out, we go out to listen to DJs to play music. We go out and we suddenly discover. To discover this ourselves. Fe- yeah, and to, yeah totally. and to find that freedom. Totally. And suddenly we we, we we get that feeling. That first feeling you get is like the first any drug you ever take, music is the strongest and the most powerful drug you'll ever yeah. take. And when you get that first hit of music in that environment, and like I said at the beginning of this, you've arrived. Yeah. You want more. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. you can't get more in that sense. So, it, of course, what we do is the longer we're out, we, the, we think, oh, well, I need something to make me stay out.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: that's when drugs come into play. And then suddenly it's really sad over, over the course of time. We forget about the music and we just think about the drugs and we think about the alcohol and we're not there for the main reasons of why we really went. Yeah. So when we're headlining at a festival, we're headlining, we've got a lot to compete with.
1: Yeah. 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 Do you yeah. know what
2: I mean? We could be the best DJs in the, on the planet. Yeah. We still got to compete with whatever so and so's selling over there. Yeah. What that one's got in his pocket. Yeah. What you think he's got in his bag back at home. Yeah. We're competing with all of that. Totally. And yeah. then. Bringing a mobile phone into into the equation yeah, as well, exactly. Another different ball game altogether. Well, we're yeah. competing with people all, doing the gram content and all everything else. Totally. You know, it, it they people forget what the, the the primary concept of nightclubs are about.
1: And obviously, there's this huge disconnect now because of this technology that everyone's got in their hands. And mm. that's just. Do you think it's just changed everything? hundred percent. Can you see the distinct difference? hundred percent. You know
2: post? what? The more and more things that I go to where phones aren't allowed. Yeah. It's just, it's a whole different world. I just did three days at someone's wedding in Miami. Yeah. Can't uh,
1: have your phone out.
2: The phones were taken off of everyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I went to get. I went to. My, but saying that, yeah, but
2: right, there's a really good side to it, right? Like a magical side to it. Yeah. Because you're all in the fucking moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's totally. thinking about
2: oh this and all that. Or yeah. let me check what my dog sitter's doing. Yeah, or my, yeah, yeah. You know, totally. my oh, let me go on my cat cam. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or let me <laughs> or go on Grindr. Yeah, up. yeah. Or refresh, know, refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah, you know, literally from it. Facebook to Instagram, yeah, Instagram yeah. to Facebook, Twitter. Because it's all going to change every three seconds. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of that going on. That that's taken away from you, and the power of just being in the moment is so fucking... Fucking special, yeah. But saying that, right? I would, I had my bag, my phone in my bag, illegally, yeah. and then um, I went. I oh, just need to go and use the toilet, so I went off the toilet, <laughs> which was the, the phone area where you're allowed to take okay. your phone out. So I had my bag, like they took it out of the folder, and I, 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 for some kind other of reason, I had ring notifications. All my cameras had gone off at home in London, and I was in fucking Miami. I've been burgled. No. Literally, no. I learned on the Zoom and I was like, oh my God, there's people trying to break in my house. No. And I caught them, rang my friend Claire, she got the police. They all went round there, yeah, literally all on Zoom. They'd covered all my cameras up. No. Yeah, literally, I, I, it was insane. Just a random burglary? Yeah, I caught them. Fuck.
1: That's amazing. Literally just
2: took my phone out, literally yeah. at that point. Yeah, so I'm it's just, not all bad. No, it's not all bad. No. That's what I'm saying. But you know what? It's kind of like, it was just like, but the whole difference between not having to compete with technology and everyone being on drugs or wanting drugs or wanting to go to the next place because you've got to remember while they're on that dance floor looking at their phone other people are in another venue yeah. doing exactly the same and people yeah. you know when you're in that situation you automatically think you're missing out
1: FOMO oh my yeah. god always yeah. do you know what I mean did you not have FOMO pre-mobile phones is that is that a new thing do you think
2: yeah 100% yeah. because you know you didn't know where people were until yeah. the, the, you got After. a phone call off from the next day when yeah. you got home right. on your landline Right. and <laughs> then they'd be like oh <laughs> we were here and you'd be like oh. ah yeah, so yeah. I'd yeah. no I would have come
1: yeah 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 do you know what I mean
2: so that kind of kept people in that in that place that's why you know the legendary clubs were legendary because people were in the moment moment,
1: yeah, yeah, they
2: weren't in everybody else's pockets, yeah, do you know what I mean they weren't in everybody else's facetime places they weren't like wanting to think, oh, what are they doing we need to go there, yeah so And so's got this, do you yeah. know what I mean? It it just didn't happen the way, and I think that's why legends were made. Yeah,
1: but I don't think we could like ban club but ban phones from a club. No, I don't think you can,
2: but sticker over your camera. Yeah, I mean, that don't work.
1: I've yeah. done that before. I did yeah, party, yeah, yeah. my own parties where, yeah. where
2: everything was stickered, yeah, and you know, people find a way, you know, it's just boring. Yeah, I, I just think that. Like anything, it will get to the stage where people don't want to use their fucking phones mm, on dance floors. Totally. Do you get what I mean? Totally. I really do think it will I see it already, like,
1: or, like, some, of the, some like, re, like, people that like way younger than me are kind of going out and just not, not putting anything up. Yeah. Not really amazing. posting much. And I've seen them, like, before at a club, they haven't posted anything. Yeah. It's kind of like, maybe maybe that is a thing that's well, emerging I think, now.
2: I think it will, it, it, everything. Goal, like, isn't it? As I say, yeah. it grows big and then it technology is the same. It gets to the point where you feel, oh, Thank God I'm not on that tonight. I'm, yeah, not, I'm not having that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really think the more people can connect to music again Yeah. and connect to the real reason why they're there. Yeah. Because we're fucking DJing. Yeah, yeah. Are you <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, no, but like, yeah. to really get that connection. Totally. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. The more of that, the better, I say. Yeah.
1: So, you spent a million pounds on drugs and now you're, I don't know. Now I'm still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, homeless. How long have you been sober? Fifteen years. I, I've been
2: sober fifteen and a 15. half years. In, amazing.
1: Uh, yeah. in June. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to. I mean, it's all in the book. Your it, it is am- all in the book. amazing book. I'm which really I've glad you've read. Look, even my hair's yeah. just them, then. I mean, Do you it's know what? Beyond the book. I'm
2: really glad that you read it because there's, uh, it's it's not out for like a while. And uh, It'll be
1: out just as this comes out. Yeah, yeah.
2: It, it comes out 26th of May. And yeah. It's been a very long time coming. Yeah, twenty sixth of May. Yeah, <laughs> for a year we we've been waiting for. It's been out on pre order, and you know, and I've only had the proof copies for about three for about twelve weeks. Yeah, and I've been really careful who I gave them to. Yeah. like normally I'd be like, ah, I want you all to read it. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I gave it to people that I really wanted their real honest opinions. Yeah. Because for me, it's I've got enough yes people. Yeah. If I wanted smoke blown up my arse, I would have sent 30 copies to the right people yeah. and got that smoke blown up my arse. <laughs> I didn't want that. Yeah. I wanted people to understand it for what it is. Because, you know, it's not what people think it is.
1: No. As I, think... I said to you on the phone, mm. I, was like, I read it and I was like, it blew my mind. It wasn't the book I thought it was going to be. It's so honest, yeah. the amount of honesty in the book.
2: That kind of scares me a mm. little bit, the honesty. You know, because I... You know, being honest can get me into a lot of trouble. It yeah. always has done. Yeah. But now that I, I'm really honest, yeah. and I'm really honest with myself, yeah. which is the, ma- the main yeah. thing, and, and writing this book was a real labour of love in the sense that I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, you've got another book in you. I'm like, I probably have, yeah. but I'm not doing it again. Yeah. This is my one book, and I just think that, every, you know, someone had written, it was really funny, someone had written a fake Uh, Review on on, that. The book's not even up for review. And someone wrote a fake review. This is how thick people are, right? Uh, on Amazon, oh no, on Waterstones, and they said, "Clang clang" as another name drops. It's not. As like, it's not.
1: It's not. And then they put,
2: "Oh, what a narcissistic re blah blah blah." So many name drops. Oh my God, it's just embarrassing. This will make a great plant stander. Yeah. Always. They've not and read I'm, the book. And I said to my publisher, "Have you read it?" And she was like, oh, "That person's never. That person's really jealous of your life." And I was like, totally. That's exactly what it is." Yeah. So, they, so Waterstones read it and they were like it's not even a review it's not even a yeah. healthy review yeah One Star whatever it, 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 the, they've not read the book because they would yeah. know it's not a name dropping book it's not there's mentions yeah. of, of certain people but I've changed everyone's yeah. name in the yeah. book yeah for that reason yeah. they do, it's not a book about other people yeah, yeah it's a book no, about me it's a book, about, it's a book it was, about my damage that I've yeah. caused to myself and that's what people. I was going to say because
1: obviously we're here to talk about partying and nightlife and stuff but there's a lot of darkness in the book and that's sort of been that's been a thing that ran through your life for a long time? I
2: think that uh, the reason I talk about the dark times is really important. It's not a book where I want people to feel sorry for me because I've mm. done that all my life, it's feel sorry for me. Mm. I've been the victim, I made myself the victim yeah. so that it made it easier for me to, to exist as I, as I was. Yeah. And I think the, 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 my, my life was really dark. You know, people see me now and they think, oh, my God, he's, he's such a fun guy because yeah. of my Instagram or, or the way I am. I am the way I am because I've had a fucking lot of trauma yeah. <laughs> and I can yeah. be that way because yeah. I've lived that trauma and I've, yeah. I, I, to a certain extent I've overcome most of those problems. I, don't get me wrong. I can still create fifty new fifty million new problems yeah, a day. Yeah. But the ones that, the major ones that I, I carried through life with me uh, are in that book and I write yeah. in that book has just been I don't know, I'm very vulnerable. I talk about things that I've never discussed before. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? You've got nothing to hide. Mm. You sh- you need to show that stuff because that stuff will help other people. Absolutely. You know, there's stuff in there about HIV and AIDS and you know, I you know, I nearly I, I should be dead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 there's a part, a chapter in the book yeah. that describes what I went through yeah. in that era. And you know, I I should be dead. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. I yeah. shouldn't be here.
1: In hospital, I, just... I was
2: in hospital for, for nearly fucking five months. I was in yeah. a coma. I lost, the, I'd lost my, I'd I'd lost all my T cells. I I I had full blown AIDS. And you know, people are like oh, you could you have full blown. And I had. 116 yes. T cells left. That was yeah. under the, the 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 notification of being full blown A, yeah. and they put me into a coma and they told my parents I wasn't going to come through and they all needed to come and see me. Blah blah blah. Um, and you had your to, rights
1: read to you. Yeah, you, yeah? they Glass read the write, last yeah. rights
2: on on, and then a week later they uh, they put me on this miracle new drug called Tizavir mm-hmm. and they pumped me full of it. And I I, and I, I pulled through. Yeah. It, I, you know, when I was diagnosed at that point in time, it was in the multi-millions, the, the viral load in my brain. I had to have lumbar punches every day. No, I was blacking out. I, it was just... and I just thought I was having a good time.
1: Right. Were you still, were you still <laughs> was, using drugs at this point?
2: I was still doing drugs. I was, like, completely at my worst point yeah. in time. My mum yeah. came to my house and found me unconscious on the floor in the kitchen and took me to hospital and... I I got to the hospital. I said, like, "Why am I here? I want to go home." Yeah, and they were like, "Oh no, it's just no, no, no. It's been happening all the time. It's just, it's just you know, it's what I'm used to." And it was happening all the time because I had this virus in my brain yeah. that was shutting down parts of my brain, yeah. and, I, and I was dying. Yeah, but in, in my head, I still thought it was drink and drugs that was doing it. I right. really thought that um, that was it. That was where it was going. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it was It 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 was. was. was very sad. But, you know, I would pull it all in the book and I think it's really needs to be in the book. Mm. But it is not a book about other people. No.
1: You know. Some of it's a hard, it's I gave a hard it to you read you as a reader. Yeah, yeah. And,
2: and, and I give it to my best friends and some yeah. of them haven't been able to read all of it because yeah. they're struggling with
1: it. I did it in two halves. You know, I, it was yeah. about a three-week break in the middle because so I was a bit like,
2: whew! We're yeah. in the,
1: you know, it's, it's, yeah. So it's amazing. How was it going back to... DJing when you came out of rehab? How was it sober?
2: Uh, firstly, I didn't go back to DJing. I went forward to DJing. Mm. So that was my primary purpose. Of I wasn't going back to anything.
1: Yeah,
2: Going backwards would, would have just led to failure.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I, like anything in my life, if, I, if it's something that pops back up or something I have to do, I will go forward to it in a different way. Yeah. So going forward to DJing after rehab was a big thing. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd vocalised where I'd been. I wasn't, I I hadn't hidden where I'd been. Yeah. I publicised it in every magazine. It yeah. was like, you know, I did like a whole big, like, expose, like of, of the cover of QX magazine, which was yeah. the biggest little gay, on the gay, gay scene the, the, magazine. The yeah. case. Ma-
1: they even make that anymore. No, no, but at that
2: point, it was like, you know, yeah. it was like the mecca.
1: Everyone would grab QX yeah. on a Thursday. That's right. To see what was going on at the weekend. Right. All the club and I did the cover
2: and... of that. And just basically was really you know just did my rehab diary, so I knew there was no going back. Thank God. So it th- took me about four, four or five months to actually get my yeah. head around. Okay, I want to go forward with this. Yeah. And because for me, I used to think, how can anyone DJ sober? Mm. How would they get the same energy off the dance floor as they would? But it's not about the energy off the dance floor. It's about what you give to that. that, uh, You give that energy to the dance floor, which they reciprocate and give back to you. Totally. So, you know, it's about feeling. And that's where the the reconnection came. Suddenly I discovered music again. I discovered it wasn't just a way and means to earn money to get drugs. It was a way and means to actually reconnect with what i really loved mm. and i think that was the turning point yeah that was that point where the light had come back on again the yeah. igni- you know that ignition light just like kicked in and i just yeah. thought i love my job again
1: yeah. is there a record that reminds you of that moment and that that era um, oh you
2: know, kings of tomorrow sort kings of is. tomorrow yeah. you know there was a one record which is uh by soldiers of twilight which is called believe and you know the the lyrics to that song changed my life because you know it's like if, it's in my in in the book in the on the thank yous page which you haven't read yet because mm-hmm. I just finished it on the last page it says at the bottom the last line is if when we believe we are halfway there, and that comes from that S- soldiers of twilight song because you know it it's so true the minute that you start to believe you're kind of halfway to conquering something. Yeah, It's like, you know, when we start to believe in ourselves again, we become halfway of over at conquering that anxiety that we have around stuff yeah. and around ourselves. You know, the minute that we believe we're not a fat cunt or a fat arse or a fat yeah. this, it's the minute that we start to feel good about ourselves. And, and and I just think, you know, that one song, those lyrics, I can listen to it all day long and it makes me cry. And I can't yeah. listen to it right now at the moment because yeah. I've lost my, just lost my dog and... Yeah. Anything at the moment sends me over the edge, and you know, Soldiers of Twilight and Kings of Tomorrow. You know, those songs. Yeah. You know, they they were they were there in my using, and I would listen to them all the time, and now I play them like we do out this our brunch on a, sal- a Saturday full fat thing, and it's I play those tunes, and it's magical because it's the euphoria that I get from those songs. Yeah just lifts me now. They're not sad songs.
1: Music's so amazing how it can just take you to a place or is it the emotion that it it's, creates? It's a time through, machine. Yeah. It's it just the most... sound. It's so amazing, isn't it? The you science. know what
2: it is? Well, I, you know, I always say this to people now that, you know, when people go, oh, will you teach me to DJ? I'm like, no one can teach mm, you to
1: no, DJ. No, I agree. I yeah. said, do you,
2: you know, do you listen to music? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't be a DJ. Yeah,
1: do you and feel... And they're
2: like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if... There's a difference between listening to something and feeling something. Probably. Do you feel music? And they're like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, well, you should be a DJ. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. I feel everything I play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever put something on and just think, let this hurry up and finish and put something else yeah. on. I feel it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Those
2: vibrations, yeah. though that bass line, that that one bit of strings, yeah. Yeah. that one vocal, all of that stuff I feel. Yeah. It has it, Look, even talking about yeah. it makes my hair stand on it. Yeah. Because that's why we I, I've 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 stood the test of time yeah. because I feel what I do. Yeah. I don't listen to it. Yeah. People go, Oh, do you listen to music at home? Well, no, I don't. I feel music at home. Yeah, I don't yeah, listen yeah. to music. Yeah. It's a different thing, you know. I recently did discovered gong bath. Oh, right. right. Yeah. And it was about vibrations. And I you know, I kind of was thinking, Oh God, yeah, here we go. What load of old hippie yeah, crap yeah, is yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Really? Wow! Wow! Made me cry within really? like just the the sound and the vibration just to connect to it. Did you lie on the floor and they sort of do? Yeah, you can do it. I stood in front of it and this girl came and it was in the woods. Right. And I was doing a, a, a thing, a, a, a little mini documentary for the Wilderness Project, and yeah. we're in the in the woods and she started doing this gong bath, and literally I burst into tears oh. and I was just like. Because it just the vibrations and the sound just overwhelmed me yeah. and just wrapped me, and I was just like, "Wow, I mean, yeah. just it was so transcendent, yeah, I almost like felt like I was like, having an out of body experience it, wow. you know and that's through feeling got to do it yeah. it's, it's incredible, yeah, and you know it just put me in touch with so many different things and you know, I have that same feeling when I play Kings of tomorrow yeah. or I play." certain tracks yeah you know like at the moment it's like I wish I didn't miss you anymore oh, oh my god it's just went to cry my ass yeah. but all of that stuff you know i had that because that's that connection
1: yeah yeah it's incredible and let's talk about your life as a dj do you um do you ever get nervous before you play
2: every time do you
1: all really? the time
2: yeah. all the time. i think the day that i don't get nervous is the day i should stop
1: the day you don't this is the day you stop caring right
2: yeah, yeah because yeah. you know what even if, you know, I, I, I suffer really badly with imp- with imposter syndrome. Mm. I could be sitting like I was the other week mm. on a plane going to do probably the biggest event of the year, yeah. like social event of yeah. the year. And I'd be on this flight and I would just think, everyone's going to hate me when I yeah. get there. They're all going to slag me off. Yeah. They're all going to hate what I'm playing. But I'm, they're flying me in to do it. Do you okay. get what I mean? I think that's a creator. I think probably most creators I think, this. I, and I think it's really healthy. And yeah. I will sit in the cab and I will pray. And I don't give a fuck who, who knows that I pray. Yeah. I, I work a 12-step program. I have a higher power. Yeah. For me, that connection, I have to hand this stuff. I have to vocalize this stuff. Yeah. Because if I don't vocalize it, it stays in here and it gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger and becomes something it isn't. Yeah. So the more I vocalize this stuff, where I be praying, I have to do that because... I have such anxiety around gigs. Yeah. You know, I will what beyond I will DJ and they'd be like, however, however many people, every gig to me is like Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. of thinking, oh, my God, I'm gonna. Uh, there's so many people there. I have to perform, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's a really healthy thing.
1: Totally. Because
2: it keeps me on my toes. Yeah. You know, the day that you, you know, I always say nothing good comes from being comfortable. Yeah. The more uncomfortable you are with things, the more you're going to do it better.
1: Totally. Do you get what I'm totally. saying, Chuck? Yeah, yeah. And
2: if I go there and I'm like, oh, this is a piece of piss. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh. yeah, Do you know you, what I mean? You're you don't care as much No, anymore. of course you yeah. don't.
1: I think I know the answer to this as well, but what's the best DJ set you've ever done? I have done it yet. Yeah, I do.
2: Yes, yeah. yeah, and, I, and I, I really believe that. It's yeah. like, you know, people go, oh, what's the best job you've ever done? There's yeah. been millions I've done. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I always think, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. Because there's always something fucking more amazing coming yeah, along. Yeah, Honestly, totally. Things yeah. come along and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't uh, believe yeah, I'm do- yeah. I've got this gig thing that I'm doing in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah which is on top of a tower block. Yeah. Uh, they've just built this tallest building, in, and I'm DJing at the opening of it on the roof wow. with drones and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, oh, it sounds really naff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, like, it's going to be incredible. At yeah. night, yeah, as the get, sun's going, yeah. you know, it's like, and they're like, you know, we're going to do this film around it. And I'm like... Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's like it, you know, but that comes from fear.
1: Totally. Me, Slagging like, it off yeah, when it comes oh, it's in. Just rubbish, yeah. Do you know what I
2: mean? <laughs> and, and it's amazing. Do you know, these things are real feel-good, like pinch-me yeah. moments. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like really totally. pinch-me moments. Totally. And I just think. Uh, you know, and I just think I'm so blessed to be in yeah, that position. Totally. You know, I was just about to start my own uh, residency in Ibiza. Yeah. At 56. Yeah. What yeah, the yeah. fuck?
1: Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've got
2: yeah. a resident. I'm doing. They wanted me to do 19 weeks. And I was like, no. Nah. If I was 21, I would say yeah to 19 weeks. Come yeah. on. But no, I i can't. How and are you doing? I am doing. Uh, Seven. So you're going to stay
1: out and you're going to have a little I'm going
2: stay. over for the first one for yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah. And Then I'm back and it's book time.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: and then, I'm, then it's in and out yeah. for the most of the summer. Yeah. Uh, one night there, one night back. And then, then, then there's some weeks where I'm there twice in yeah. a week, but I'm back in London in the middle of it all. And everywhere else. Now I'm in Venice. But, like, so but I think that's that, an
1: important place for you as well. It's a sh- massive yeah.
2: place for me. And, you know, I'm really blessed to even be considered to have a residency yeah. with Idris Elba and yeah. David Guetta. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? On a Friday night at yeah. High. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's kind of ima- it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing just to have been given that chance together. And I truly believe that if I wasn't a junkie for 28 years and I didn't almost kill myself every day and want to kill myself every day... I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. You know, I, I had that small little holiday for 28 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm still a <laughs> <Little function>. break. <laughs> little break. Uh, but you know what? Uh, uh, recovery has given me so much in my life. And mm. I will talk about recovery because it's it, it's given me everything, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's given me absolutely everything. It's like it's given me freedom to be who I am yeah. and to actually love who I am yeah. and not hate myself for being who I am and just my career's just gone through the roof in the sense that because i believe in myself again mm. and i believe in music and i can believe i believe in other people which is totally a big thing and also
1: on people as well you've got so many amazing
2: friends around
1: you loads mm. and loads of people stuck by you for forever you've got yeah. loads of new, and you, you always because you do a birthday party every year you always do a big birthday yeah. dinner and it's always so beautiful because you've just got so many people around you that love you mm. you know me included and do you do you love doing a birthday party? You love a birthday party. You bro. know what? I, I love doing a birthday. But <laughs> I, I love doing a birthday party a month
2: before <laughs> the birthday. But right. on the day, I always think, "Why the fuck have I yeah. done this? Yeah. Why do I put myself through it?" Yeah. And I get all the anxiety oh, I it. Yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. you know what? I do love a birthday party. I do yeah. love a party. Yeah. And I just think, you know, um, for someone that wanted to die every day, I yeah. think a celebration of life is a really big thing and yeah. it's a really good thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's it's not about. Uh, you know, I used to used to do countdowns to my birthday when yeah. I was a kid, and I with birthday lists of what I wanted and everything yeah. like that. And it's and always been a big thing.
1: Nothing's changed. we talk about when you were a kid. This is now.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's,
2: you know, I, I love a good I love yeah. I love a good party, and I love yeah. to be, be have my friends around me. Yeah. And I am blessed. Yeah, I've got so many amazing friends, and yeah. you know, some of them. Do have amazing careers themselves, and and they're not they're not my friends because they have an amazing career. Totally, they, they were my friends before they had any career.
1: Totally, and yeah. you know
2: it just I just you know come from a very creative time yeah. where people got off their asses and didn't have a phone in their hands yeah. and actually had to find their own platforms yeah. to stand up and shout out. Look at look at me, this is me, yeah. and that, and their careers springboarded from that. And totally. I just think that you know I'm very blessed to have that in my life.
1: Yeah. Mm. I'm going to give you some quick fire questions. Go ahead. Maddest thing you've ever seen when you've been DJing? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've seen it all. So uh, ma- the
2: maddest thing I've ever seen when I was DJing? Well, uh, 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 I don't know. I can't answer it. I, okay. I was going to say, the maddest thing I've ever seen when I was DJing? A mass orgy in the middle of a dance floor, in, 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 not in a sex club, but in a straight club. Yeah, Fabulous. Yeah.
1: Maddest thing you've done when you've been DJing, <laughs> <laughs> Not now. actually it, DJing,
2: yeah. Actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mixing, yeah. didn't mix for about twenty years. Uh, yeah, no. I've listened. Jesus Christ, the things that I've done while I was DJing. I mean, just I've let. I think I'll tell you one quick one. The the maddest one was, I they flew me to do to Palladium. I went on Concorde. Steve Rebell picked me up from the airport. I went to Palladium, DJed. I, I literally got to play GMA. All my friends were there, and they, they'd all given me grand bottles of MDMA. And I was like, it's not working. And I put one record on in the Mike Todd room at at Palladium. I bent down to get another record and I came up like Cookie Monster. And I was like, <laughs> we've got to go. And everyone's like, what? The whole party's come to see you from New York, from London. And I was like, we've got to go. We've got to leave. And I put a record and then we left. <laughs> so you I to walked New out. New York. They flew me over by, on Concord. Flew me over. I left. The next day, right, listen to this. The next day, they ring me. Steve Lewis, who was Steve Rebel's right-hand man, rang me and was like, Hey, great set last night. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was talking about it. So, fuck, man. God, they loved you. Yeah, they loved you. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like same the, again next yeah, week. Literally, yeah. they threw me over again two weeks later. <laughs> literally, I was like, I played one record.
1: Oh, my God. That was the maddest thing I've done. What is on your DJ
2: rider? On my DJ Rider now, I've just changed it actually. Yeah, what's on it? Before it was <laughs> before it was six bottles of coconut water, like cards of <laughs> I coconut always, water. I said oh six, no,
1: six pounds of coconut water. No, cup. six <laughs> bottles of
2: coconut water, uh, black fluffy tail towels and uh, black fluffy yeah, towels. Yeah, th- th- it's my my agent being a wanker.
1: Because right, i like...
2: turn up and play something like, why is there black towels and why do I keep getting coconut water? I hate um. coconut water. <laughs> uh it's changed. Read now I have, I put Jack Daniels and, and whiskey. um. And vodka on there because people, and people were like, I thought you didn't drink. I'm like, it's not for them, it's for my friends. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, Because all my mates her. would come with me yeah. and they'd be
2: in the green room and they'd be like, Cancer Diet Coke. Yeah. And they'd be like, and I'd be like, yeah, I know. So now <laughs> I put that on the way right okay, like, nice. you No, know, it's not, you know, it's I, all about, yeah. No, a I want people everyone. that come with me to have a party, yeah. man.
1: Finally, you're throwing a party.
2: Yeah. Who's
1: on, who's, um, name like three people who are on the guest list, so you've got to have there and who's the DJ and can't be you?
2: Oh well it wouldn't be me anyway, it wouldn't be yeah. uh, okay. So who would who would have to be
1: there? Yeah. Three like three to five guests, dead or alive.
2: Ooh. Ooh, that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, I would say you because you. if I yeah. Whenever I have a birthday party or any party, yeah. we always get you to come along because yeah. you're value for money. Yeah. You know, you, do, <laughs> you can make balloon animals in the corner. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. You come in riding,
2: <laughs> come in riding your little clown bike. Totally. So, uh,
1: get your bang for your you know, buck. You get, see, honestly,
2: but real value for money. If you're having a party, get Jody. He's amazing. <laughs> so then, uh, I don't know who else. Um, I don't know. I'd like to say. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't really say the the, the sick. I, I suppose it would be Stabby, my boyfriend. Yeah. Obviously, you yeah. know, yeah. you know, you have to. Uh, yeah. uh, I'd say George, boy George yeah. as well, because he's he's amazing. Kate, yeah. she's fucking brilliant. Always love. at a party. She, you can't have a party without her. No. Agreed. Karen Binns. Yep.
1: Yeah, love. Oh,
2: uh, is genius as yeah. well. Fashion stylist. Uh, yes. A total fashion stylist, but also pure party animal. Yeah. yeah. Do you get know what I mean? I would say I would say Daniel Lismore because he's just always at every party anyway. Yeah, even, if you, even if I didn't invite him, he'd be there.
1: Wearing the kitchen sink. You know mean? Literally, it would be there. The gentleman would be like,
2: hang on. Hello. <laughs>
1: Wearing like 12 outfits. Uh, uh,
2: uh, do you know what? There's so many people. And I just, yeah. you know, it, very. Uh, there's so many people that aren't with us anymore yeah, that I would love there as well from from back in the day, you know. I don't know. It's a yeah. tough one. Thanks yeah. for throwing that one on me. Yeah, yeah. And what was the rest of the question? Who's DJing? Who's DJing? Yeah. Well, as I said, it would it would be you, and that's not yeah. honestly because I'm with you, but you always do do our stuff. Yeah. I love you. Love you. Thank you for coming
1: on. <laughs> Thank you. Oh,
2: mm. that, was, that was so fun. Oh, your wig just cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: That was you. Yeah.